All right, welcome everyone to Preferred Lies, the official podcast of New Hampshire Golf. I'm your host, Dave Long, and we're in a little bit different place today. We are in world headquarters at Golf and Ski Warehouse, uh, and I am in the presence of greatness with uh, <laughs> the, the president and founder of Golf and Ski, Scott Peters. Scott, how are you? Dave, I'm doing great. I'm a little surprised you got through security, but... Uh... <laughs> But here you are, nonetheless. And, well, uh, there's a family member here that likes me. Ben likes me, so I knew I was going to get through. Do you know that's the case? Well, I don't know. But, in fact, I do know when he said, I'm going to go check and see if my dad's here, he kind of looked over his shoulder a couple of times to make sure I stayed in the same spot. So it's possible he doesn't. Uh, you can walk up here on his terms, not yours. <laughs> yes, that's true. But, uh, anyway, so Scott is here. Uh, Matt has a week. Is that the best way to put it? He's got a lot going on. So Scott gave him the week off. So it'll be just Scott and I, and uh, it's a fairly light week in golf. It is. It is. Uh, there's not all that much controversy going on. Nothing really huge happened uh, in the in the off time, other than maybe um, Phil Mickelson's hotel burning down right before. Uh, yeah, that was or, crazy. That might be a little bit overstated, burning yeah. down. But yeah. uh, but uh, almost missed his tea time. And well, and almost I'll- lost, almost left his clubs in it. I guess his clubs are in his room. So I'll do my best. You know, I'm a little down, as I mentioned to you, because I'm, I'm, I'm have a friendship with a guy named Nathaniel Crosby, who happens to be the Walker Cup captain, and I've come to realize that apparently I'm not going to be picked to this year's Walker Cup team. Well, I have to tell you, I'm a little down on that, down about that myself. But uh, and uh, as I said to you earlier when we were talking, Nathaniel Crosby, the last time I saw him, I think he was sitting on his father's lap at the clam bake. Which is what the uh, right. what the Pebble now Beach the tournament AT&T used. is yeah, yeah. It's a little bit too corporate for me, but it was the clam bake down on the beach, and he was like a ten year old sitting on Bing Crosby. You must have had him when Bing was like seventy five or something. Right. Well, actually, Bing. I think Bing died like about seventy five. Yeah. But he, he went was out, a, he, he went was an older he, father. Yeah, he went out the way he wanted to go out though. Playing golf. Yes, heart attack on a course in right. Spain, I believe. Right. I think that sounds exactly right. Right. So you weren't playing with him, were you? No, no, no! I wasn't. But okay, uh, I've, I've, I've had that effect on a couple of others. People. Yes, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. more so in. Uh, well, I'll tell you this off the air. But okay, I, I gave two sports icons in New England one a heart attack and another a stroke. Kind of. Wow, that's um, certainly, that's was, certainly in, was in the direct proximity. Certainly, some degree of trivia question, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know if that's name the person who's given two sports icons. Yeah, they're icons, too. Yep. icons. Yep. Anyway, uh, so we've got the uh, BMW Championship to recap, which had uh, credible low scores this week. Uh, we have uh, round three of the FedEx Cup, the Tour Championship, which is at East Lake Club in Atlanta this week. Top the finals. Three, the finals, yes. Uh, the Tour Championship, and uh, the uh, top 30 players are playing in that. There's a little bit of PGA news. A little One is a, a bit sad. We'll talk about that as we go along. And uh, it's a little bit off the course, but you always have uh, things to say about that as well. And then we're going to revisit two topics we talked about last week because uh, there's been a little bit more. One was the issue of slow play. European Tour has right. announced uh, a four-part, I think it's a four-part, uh, plan to tackle the problem of slow play. And then uh, I've been thinking about the FedEx Cup. We had that long discussion last week about what they what what they can do, need to do, might do to make this a little bit more climactic and get right. people. And I think you were, uh, the reason I started thinking about it, because you were right on the mark on, on uh, something you said last week, which we'll get to. But before we do that, 
Let me say that Golf and Ski Warehouse is a presenting sponsor, Preferred Lies, and it is a big week here. Actually, we're in the middle of a big week. No wonder the parking lot was so full. Right. Think about it. Uh, It is the big August sale. It began last Friday, goes to this Sunday, August 25th, where you'll enjoy the best prices of the season on 2019 equipment, apparel, and accessories, and uh, a preview of that 30 to 50% clearance on drivers, fairway wood clearance drivers, I should say. Don't want to separate those words. Fairway woods, hybrids, irons, Sets, wedges, shoes, and apparel. Take 20% off all other golf apparel, shoes, bags, travel bags, and accessories. And save 10% on GPS units, range finders, uh, golf balls, selected putters, and clubs. And that is in all four locations. Greenland, Hudson, and West Lebanon, where we are, in New Hampshire, and in Scarborough, Maine. And it goes until Sunday, the 25th. So, um... First of all, let us uh, let's go to some of the news that was uh, that was uh, uh, last week, and there wasn't all that much. But we mentioned Phil. Uh, would he get in? Phil Phil Mickelson, if you didn't hear, on Sunday, uh, his his hotel. Uh, there was a fire in his hotel. Well, it was, I I believe it was struck by lightning, which yes, started yes, the fire. Yes, yes. It always seems like there's lightning. Anytime there's an event in Illinois. At this time of year, right. doesn't right. It always seem like there's lightning. <laughs> Didn't Lee Trevino get hit in yeah, in was, Illinois? Right. I, that sounds right. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's um, so it got hit by lightning. You know, he described the, the hotel got hit event. by lightning. Yes. yes. And then uh, he was evacuated. Yes. I guess his clubs were in his room, so he was separated Not, from his clubs, right. and the tea time was coming fast. And see, mine are always in my trunk. Don't don't do. Uh, but we're already going to go back to your car, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Right, right. What, what would it show? The new Harmon Killebrew is my car. <laughs> um, so anyway, so but now, so he was he couldn't get back in there for a minute to get his or for a bit, yeah. to get his clubs. Yeah. He was worried about his tea time, right? And the hotel was right next to Medina, apparently. Yep. And uh, would you get an exemption for that, or is that just out of luck? Get some rentals. <laughs> Could be like Danny Arvanitis, uh, was it two years ago in the State Am? Something happened to his driver. He left it in the car or something like that, and he had to play. Uh, you know, he's, he, he, you know, as he said to me many times, probably said to you, you know, as you get older, the, the kids today are driving it so much farther, and he's, crazy. He's playing with a three three wood, right? And, uh, and he's a double no disadvantage, driver, right? So anyway, uh, so. No exemption, nothing. You're if uh, you're so. There's is it written into the fine print? Doesn't matter if your if your hotel gets hit by lightning, and it starts a fire and you I, can't. I get think your, your tea time is your tea time, and you know if you miss it, you're out. All right. Well, which anyway. in fairness, it almost didn't really matter because you know that was his last round of the uh, of the season. And yes, and he did make it though, and he shot seventy one. Uh, although seventy one is that uh, you know we talked about that we'll talk about this in a little bit, but given the scores that were there, seventy one is like yeah you know I must say I was I was very disappointed to see um, how they just basically turned Medina into the uh, the nine hole pitch and putt essentially by by the scores and the way they were playing it I just now was that set up do you think well I look at I think as they were saying. Two things: it, it, you get a soft golf course, and length doesn't matter much anymore to these guys. 
Um, you know, I was watching and I was flipping channels between that, um, actually all three events, the Corn Ferry, which we talked about. That was your I, favorite. New I favorite enjoy term. it. Yeah, yes. I, I don't like the name. I like right. the I like the event. So you're you're not, you're not like me then, because I, like I like, no, I'm not like you at I, all. I, actually. I like not in one <laughs> not in one way as you like me, but I, I mean I like teams if I like their uniform, right? And I don't like teams if I don't like their uniforms. <laughs> I hate purple, so I hate the Ravens. I just It's irrational. And Well, the Ravens have their own, but anyway, it's beside the point. Go ahead. Well, I, I, what I was getting at was, and, and I was really watching the uh, U.S. Open at Pinehurst, and it was just so clear and obvious to me that distance isn't really the, the, the way you actually can test these golfers. You have to make them fit the drive into a space rather than letting them just take a driver and bomb it up over everything and and uh, and so it just it was really disappointing to me to see how basically they rendered Medina into into a what was a historically great golf course that tested the great players over the years really was just it was just disappointing to see that it just goes to show how far this distance this ball this technology thing is changing the game and. And, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned my friend Owen Brown a number of times. He's told me forever, and I heard it sort of reiterated this weekend. It, it You can still use all the technology, but if you put the ball into 20 years ago with more spin, it'll make the game harder. When they, you actually have to make these guys shape it with a ball that spins more, now all of a sudden we're back to skill. But right now there's no skill. They just take their driver and they bomb it, and it was just, you know, they just beat the poor Medina up to death. And then you throw in uh, soft conditions. And when it's soft, soft they win, right? Just, so there's right. nothing you can really do when it's soft, and that's just Mother Nature and bad luck, if you will. And and so that was disappointing. All right, we'll but. talk about how to, how to uh, maybe uh, pro-proof some of those courses a little bit later right. as we talked. But uh, also in the news was... Um, did you see the story about Steph Curry funding the golf team at I thought Howard that's University? awesome. Don't you think that's great? Yes, it is. I mean, I think that's a great way to try and get... Um, more and different people playing the game. Um, you know, there aren't enough minorities, if you will, playing the game. Access is always a challenge. Um, the fact he's willing to subsidize scholarships to get these players to play and more opportunities to play, I think that's, I, I thought it was great. And, you know, to see somebody who, you know, didn't necessarily grow up with golf, he was a basketball player, oh, right? Oh, no, he but, was, he's a, like an avid young golfer. Well, the, it's, I, it's not, it's not a, PGA level player. Yeah, just right? it, it was great right. to see somebody who's who's um, a world renowned athlete of some kind right, from another sport um, embracing the game of golf, and and those are the ways to me that you're going to help grow the game. So you I thought what? it was great. I also think that he, he wound up at Howard not by accident, but he had nothing. It had nothing to do with golf. He went for a documentary, and I can't remember what it was. But it was, it was uh, anyway, he went to see a documentary. It was about uh, something related to, I can't, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, um, uh, the, tied to Howard University. And he met this kid, Otis V. Ferguson. I don't know if he called him Otis my man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Otis, hey, Otis V. Ferguson, he, loves he, us. he got a friendship. He was a golfer. And one thing led to another, and he got involved and met the people and, and got involved in doing yeah, that. So it really that. grew out of yeah. almost nothing yeah. or something completely different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, it, it, you're right. It's a nice story. It's, it's it probably says story. something very nice about him. Yeah. Uh, you know, outside of golf and outside of basketball, probably says a lot about his parents. Right. And, uh, um, 
So I, it, I thought it was a good story. Agreed. Great for the game. So I think they're my new favorite college team. There you go. I'm rooting for them. I hope, gosh, I hope they don't wear purple shirts. <laughs> I checked already. Okay, good. <laughs> good. All right. The other little bit and piece of news, some people, many people probably don't remember, some people don't remember him. Uh, I know you will, but Jack Whitaker, the great Jack Whitaker, the I announcer, love Jack Whitaker. passed away. He was away so good. He was the voice of... The voice of golf when you grew up, you know. He had such a cool voice, didn't he? It was he a, had, you know, he did Shell's Wonderful World of Golf. That was always great. He did the Masters. I always, I remember vividly with the ABC and and when they they'd had run, do the tournaments and Jack Whitaker would start and you know well, he started with they were Masters was doing CBS. He was on CBS. I agreed. And he used to do the Giants, the New York Giants. He took over for Chris Schenkel. And then when he moved to ABC, I think in the early 70s. He and Jim McKay. And, right. I mean, I just, it, it, you know, uh, it makes you feel old when you when you hear these things. and Especially when he was 95. Right. <laughs> Couldn't help but think of that. But also just, you know, iconic name, iconic voice. It was... Um, and the commentaries. I mean, he loved it. The, the essays, from as my, they reference right, it. Yes. Uh, uh, what I would say, what I would... Uh, you know, this might be a get-off-my-lawn type of thing or back in the day, and you can... You can uh, call me old school if you want, but I loved ABC's coverage in those days. I don't think there's ever been a host like Jim McKay because of the drama he could bring into his voice somehow. Agreed. And then they had the essays from Jack Whitaker, and uh, uh, who they have? Henry Wadsworth was it? Henry Wad Henry Longhurst. Oh yeah, I know. It's related to Henry Wadsworth. Yeah. Long- yeah, I know it's something like that. Henry Wadsworth. <laughs> Dave Marr was the uh, sure. was a, you know he was a, he Rossi was a, Rossi that's right Peter was, Alice but but uh, Jim McKay to me was he, had, he had, I've never heard anybody who could put more drama or could put more drama into his voice in the way you know just the agony of, you know the ecstasy right. of victory thrill of agony. victory yeah thrill of victory and agony of defeat when that poor guy's going was that in Hanover by the way the Vinko Bogota <laughs> by the way just so you know that's the real answer to that trivia yeah, question yeah no I'll, I'll believe that if if you know we're referencing is when ABC Wild World of Sports they come on with the they show all these different sports um, videos of this this and that and other sports and the guy was coming down the ski jump and. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, as he says that, and he just does a, a yard sale fall off the ski jump. Right. And I always wanted to find out the guy's name, so I found it out, and I've never forgot. His name was Vinko <laughs> Bogota. Yeah, there's certain things you just can't, you I mean, can't forget. You know, I, mean, I have a lot Vinko of useless information. I'm sure he never forgot it. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I think that uh, Jack Whitaker is is right in there with Jim McKay as, as one of the greats. And, and again... We talk about things that are great for golf. Jack Whitaker was great for golf. And he got bounced off the Masters for right. one Call simple freak called, called a mob. There was a, some, I think it was. Well, there's a, a lot of people rushing up to the green on yeah, 18 Yeah, I'm trying to think something. of who they were following. It yeah. seems like it was an Arnold Palmer thing, but it, that probably. probably would have been when he won in 64, his last win. I think that was a little bit early. So I think, Jack. I think it was a little bit later. But anyway, so he ran afoul of Cliff Roberts, right. the... The uh, co-founder, he was a co-founder, right, with Bobby Jones? Correct. And, uh, I don't know if it's founder, li- but yes. He, he didn't like, well, they were the two yes. who grew it anyway, at the, at the very least, but uh, didn't like the word mob, and they bounced him off of, I mean, it's not yes. like Bermuda Bermuda wax, like Gary, bikini. I mean, bikini, bikini wax, wax. When, <laughs> when Gary McCord got kicked off. That, Look he at, deserved I it. love the Masters, but right. when I hear them have to reference the fans and spectators as patrons, yes. all because of the you know, highbrow view of 
of what they think you should be referencing them as, I kind of it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yes. So, so while I I and get they don't you're want a lot nicer guy than I am. That's stuff no, really I'm not sure of that, but but you know just anyway they uh, they are very much control their telecast right. And he was off for four years or so or something right? like that. I mean, you know, one word for a a iconic. I'll, you know, right. iconic broadcaster seems no question. crazy. And then he went to ABC. So he passed away uh, and uh, was, you know, well-known in other sports. Yeah, if you ever go to Shell's Wonderful World of Golf and they have all those different one-on-one matches, Jack Whitaker was a huge part of that. And, of course, um, um, uh, that was a staple during the during the winter in golf during yes. the summer. I mean, right. during the winter in uh, when there was no golf. Right, and it'd be from some cool place like it's a great Spain. place, Spain, or, or yeah, you know, yeah. when, the the uh, Caribbean or wherever the heck they were. Yes, and Gene Sarazen was Gene Sarazen was involved in that, right? I think so. Yes, he was. He was yeah. like kind of the host, and then <clears throat> and then Whitaker was the guy who did the announcing. But um, uh, so anyway, that's a, a sad note. And uh, I was going to say one thing about Jim McKay back to his. What I'd call uh, his the drama that he was able to put into his voice. I mean, that is a skill. It's an art. Sure. And I, I'm not picking on the president when I say this. Oh boy. No, I'm not. But his skill, his strength is not reading off a teleprompter. It's no. because it's difficult. I, I know I've done it, and you know, if you, in, especially in the beginning, you're kind of like looking at it and you're reading it and you're not saying it. Well, I and would he's tell you, reading yeah. a script and yeah. could still make it yeah. sound like. He was there when poor, what's his name, Vigo? Vinko Bogotai. Vigo Bogotai. So it's funny you say that because um, I would share with you, I used to think that reading something and, you know, like off a uh, teleprompter or whatever the case may be, why is that so hard? And then I realized when I uh, I was asked to do some of our radio commercials, like, sure, yeah, no big deal. It was it was hard. You know, it was it was, you know, to get the right... Tone, get the right sort of feel, to get the right sort to make of make it sound like you're saying legitimate, it than genuine, and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, genuine and, uh, is a good word. So, remember our uh, friend uh, Mike Manansky? I do. Mike? Yeah, Mike, Mike. There's a guy. Mike was really good at reading yeah. things off of yeah. a teleprompter or script for commercials. Sure. Now at uh, WEI, he was really good at right. it. Right. So anyway, that's got nothing to do with today. I just thought I'd yeah, throw that in. Thank there. you. So anyway, by the way, I was going to say when Scott is here and I'm here. We have uh, the over-under is not if I'm, how I'm going to screw up the broadcast technically. It's how many off-topic uh, rants we're going to wind off into. So And? and uh, well, we're going to go the over today, I yeah, think. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, and then so I mentioned that. All right, let's, uh, let us revisit the um, – well, no, let's move on to um, the slow plays back in the news this mm. week. And the reason – not so much that anybody did anything. There wasn't didn't, – I didn't see anything in particular that happened no. this week. No. Uh, well – it, nothing stood out because right. it, nothing out of the norm, but the norm is slow. So Right. All right. Okay, that's a fair way to say it. But the British tour, uh, I'm sorry, the European, European tour has uh, came out this week and said that they have adopted a four, they called it four-plank program to tackle um, slow play. Uh, brought on by a, a tweet by Eduardo Molinari, apparently, which started in uh, the spring for somebody doing something. But anyway, uh, they are you're allowed to breach, as they say, breach the time allowance twice in a round. You do it the second time. Uh, you're actually, you're allowed to breach it once. Second time, one stroke penalty. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, look, let me start with the fact I love them being proactive and aggressively sort of going after it. 
Um, I don't think anyone knows how to best address this in the sense of, yes, I, I get the fact we should be penalizing them. I like that. Um, but they're all different ways to, to analyze slow play, and I just would be a little concerned about if, if I'm playing and let's just say I'm playing in three hours, and we used last week as an example, and I've got this one shot that is causing me all kinds of problems in trying to make a decision and get the drop and this and that, before you know it, I've taken a minute and a half, so I've now got a bad time. Right. And yet I'm still playing fast. So there's a there's a challenge there. There's They're a gray give area. One, one time extension, right? Which one. is forty seconds. So with me, right. that's that doesn't mean anything. I think the bottom line is I'm thrilled that they're being aggressive and being proactive and trying to address it. I'll be curious to see how it actually plays out. Right, and I, and I also think you're right. I think there should be certain things that are extreme in the way that I'm thinking Phil Mickelson should have got a couple extra minutes for his tea time because of the lightning, right? As you, you, the example you used last week was Jordan Spieth at the Bruce Open a couple of years ago when he was like, you know, he was like... It probably took hey, 10 or 15 just minutes. Just to find it. Just right. to, well, not just to find it, to, to get to it. Yeah. So there's got to be some sort of, um, you know, uh, leeway on something like that. Or yeah, it's not black or and white, is, I right. guess is what we're trying right. to say. There's a gray area, and I, I, I'll be curious to see how they handle the gray areas. The black, look at, we all know that Bryson took way too long in that putt. Everybody knows, besides maybe Bryson, that he took way too long, and that should be a penalty. That's the easy one. It's the ones that aren't so easy that are going to be interesting to see how right. they handle. And, but, and can people take advantage of that? Will people try and, you know, find a way to push the envelope on a particular Well, as you know, whenever there's some kind of change, any kind of change, um, there's a desired goal for the change, but there's also the, um, the um, unintended consequences that happen because of change. And so, to me, the desired goal is admirable. The unintended consequences are to be determined. Like the NFL pass interference official being To be determined, to right? Yes. I mean, isn't it going to be it's, interesting it's, to see how those things play out? It's going to be nuts, actually, I think. But Probably. Right. And I think there's also pushback. I mean, if you look at any, you know, uh, go way back, when the NBA went to a 24-second clock, there was tremendous pushback that it was going to wreck basketball. Yeah, and, and ironically, what has it done? The greatest rule they've ever, the greatest rule change Agreed. ever. You know, same thing with the three-point play. And it's going to take time. You know, I, I don't see it being solved in, in, you know, with one ruling and in one year necessarily. It'll evolve, and I think it'll get better. Um, but the fact that we're going beyond just saying, yeah, we all play slow, and we're actually going to do something about it, I'll be very curious to see how it sort of plays itself out. Do you think people will play slow? Do you think it really would hurt them? If they're pushed to play, if just naturally they evolve to, instead of taking 50 seconds to take a shot, they're taking it in 30. Do you really think that's going to mean anything different, even to the most deliberate player? Or is it just a matter of a routine that when they're set When you say into? meaning everything, I guess my response, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, but I'll respond this way. They'll play better. And I think they've shown right. that when, when they don't think they will, but they will. Right. Um, they've been allowed to do something that they shouldn't have been allowed to do. They think it's to their benefit. I don't think it is. 
I think they'll realize it isn't, and then their new norm, hopefully, will be to play faster and everybody wins. Right. They may not play as well in the beginning when they're made to do that because they're going to be thinking about it and they're going to be maybe thinking about the clock. But eventually, when it becomes second nature and they're taking that shot in 25 seconds instead of 50 seconds, over time, I agree with you. Even if they don't play better, I don't see how it's going to – I just – I don't think it's going to make them play worse. I mean, I I agree with that, I and, don't, I, I, and don't. I think that I'm trying to remember. I think the European Tour did it in an event last year for an experiment where they had the shot clock, and they showed that that generally speaking, people played better, not worse. It makes sense. Yeah, it um, does. but you know, it's like I don't have a great example necessarily, but but if um, if you're allowed to have as many, this is going to be terrible. But I'll, I'll I'll throw it out there. If you're allowed to have as many cookies as you want after dinner. You're going to eat as many cookies as you can. If you're only allowed one, then you're going to have one and you'll be satisfied with one. Right. That may not be a great example. My point is there will be a new norm, and they're going to be able to adjust accordingly. It may take some transition, but they'll adjust accordingly, and I think the game will be better for it. I I think in all sports, I think golf and baseball, the two worst uh, offenders of this, is that they uh, put things – they – they fabricate things in their mind that make you seem like you need to do it. And in the long run, it's, it's uh, a self-inflicted damage. And in other words, for instance, I'll give you an example. This goes to baseball. This is an old-time baseball game. But it was 1962. The Yankees are playing the Giants in the seventh game of the World Series. Ralph Terry is pitching for the Yankees. It's the bottom of the ninth. It's one nothing. In those days, they never went to the bullpen. Both pitch, I think they took the giant pitcher out for a pinch hitter in the eighth. But anyway, Terry's in. Willie Mays hits a double at second and third. Winning runners on second base. Willie McCovey, a Hall of Fame player, uh, soon to hit 521 career home runs. Lefty is coming up against the righty, Ralph Terry. And the Yankees leave him in. Ralph Hawk even thinks about taking him out. And then he pitches... He pitches, hits a bullet line drive to second base when the Yankees wind up winning. Making it even more... Uh, interesting is that Ralph Terry is the same guy who'd given up the walk-off homer two World Series ago to Bill Mazeroski in the bottom of the ninth inning. So he's got a history of choking. If that was happening today, Terry <laughs> and Jack Sanford would have been out of the game in the fifth inning, and the final score would have been eight nine to eight because the relief pitching would, it would have blown up after that, and everybody was saying what a great job the manager does. And they believe that you have to do those things. When we have evidence that they never used to have to do analytics those says exactly, right? so. but exactly, and I think the same thing is in golfers who sit there and say, "All right, I got to look at this angle. I got to look at this angle." They're pros. They've been playing for how long? They're good players. Their swing is pretty much grooved, right? Great players. Well, I'll, I'll give you an. And by the way, if if you um, guessed that we would reference the '62 World Series uh, in this broadcast podcast, you win, right? Because um, I didn't think we were going to. But anyway, yeah. uh, my, um, my money was on '65 when Harmon Killebrew was of in. Of course. Anyway. <laughs> so, so the example is ground ball is short. The guy's got all kinds of time. Takes it double. You know, does it. Yes. And throws it into the bleachers. Yep. Ground ball in the hole is short. He's got a bare hand at one hand, throw off balance, and he throws a strike. Right. That's what we're talking about. That's exactly what we're talking about. You're exactly right. And and so let's let our instincts take over. Let's be an athlete. Let's play the game rather than being sort of mechanical, robotical, and and sort of taking the athleticism out of the game. Wouldn't it be something if 
they went to a 30-second clock where he was forced to shoot in 30, swing in 30 seconds, not take forever, and Bryson DeChambeau turns into a top-five golfer because of it. Well, he's close be, to a top-five well, golfer Wouldn't now, that but be great if that happened? I think it would. I think it's possible. So, yeah. So I, I, Again, I think it would be just right. a new normal for him, and I think once you adjust to the new normal, you'd be amazed for how you can overcome that. Now, one of the, other, the second rule on this is that there will be significant, in quotation marks, increases in fines as the season goes along for people who are repeat offenders. See, again, fines don't do anything to me. Fines, they... We're about to play a tournament this weekend where the winner gets fifteen million dollars. So That's you're going to fine them ten grand for slow play? Yeah. Ouch, point. boy. What's I mean? The probably, bottom it will line probably is bug Tiger. He, he doesn't reach into his pocket well, very often. Yeah, he's a little frugal. But <laughs> but but what would affect somebody more? A two-stroke penalty or or a fifty thousand dollar fine? A two-stroke penalty. I think so because that could be worth fifty thousand dollars in itself. Well, winning and losing, right? I mean, ultimately these guys are still competitors. Right. And, and they still are about winning and losing. You know, I don't necessarily agree or believe Bricks Kepka when he says he doesn't think about the money. I think that's crazy because how do you not? And yet at the same time, when you're playing a round of golf and you're competing, you're not competing to see how much money you win. You're competing to see if you can beat that person. And so to me, that's the difference. And, and so when you're in a competition, it's not about the money. It's about the competition. Well, plus once you've played for five or six years and you've accumulated a lot of money, it's not as yes. It's not as significant to miss that agreed six hundred thousand dollar putt. But uh, no, I agree with that. I I I think the competitiveness takes over. Um, it's why I think um, well, it's what got him out there in the first place. Right. Right. Yeah, and, you, and especially these guys are competitors. They want to compete. They want to beat somebody. And this is the one I didn't understand. I, I don't know if I got this right. It was unclear how it was written. But it says, um, if you accumulate these things, your time to take a shot becomes reduced as it goes along. So you go from 40 seconds to 35 Yeah, and see, I think those are things they're going to have to work out. That sounds a little extreme to me, me, right? I mean, that's, you know, because in fairness, if you're not doing it in 40 seconds, how are you going to do it in 20? (laughs) I I don't think you're going to. Maybe. Um, I don't know. But anyway, so I, I agree with you about uh, the European Tour uh, uh, jumping in, doing being it. Being proactive. Yeah, being, being aggressive and trying to solve a problem. Yeah. And, you know, you, look, there's going to be complaints either way. Either you're proactive well, they're, they're or you com- do it after. There are complaints now. Right. And nobody's doing anything about it. So, right. yeah. So well, that's what be, I'm saying. Yeah. So if you do it and people complain, those complaints are coming anyway at a little bit later point in time. So... Just go about and do they it. They won't get the answer right the first time, but they will get it right eventually, right. I believe. Right. That's exactly how it happens over time. You right. just kind of figure out, okay, we didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. Now let's change so we'll this. we'll figure it out. That kind of thing. So uh, let's see. Your thoughts on, uh, let's go to the uh, FedEx Cup last week a little bit. We talked about that earlier, but... Um, the, the low dismantling scores. of Medina. The, the dismantling of Medina. Uh, Justin Thomas. I played there a couple of times. It's a wonderful, old-school, traditional tree line, and it used to be considered a big golf course. They had par five that's 600 yards that everybody got home in two. It's like, it, I just, it blows me away. 600 yards. 600 yards, and they're getting home. They have, I remember watching their 300 yards for their second shot with a three-wood, and they're flying it on the green. So something's not right. You know, unfortunately to me, you're not. You can't make the, you can't make the golf courses so long 
that's not the answer. Lengthening of the courses is not the answer. Well, real estate becomes an issue sometimes. It's just too, not realistic, well. right? It's just not real. And plus, you're rendering all the great courses of the last hundred years meaningless. It doesn't make any sense. And to you're, me. you know, you're still up against technology because then they'll somebody will come because you. You know better than I do. The answer's got to be Everybody loves, ball. you know, every, nor, every, ab, not, what's, every civilian, as I call them, loves to hit the ball far. Of course. Almost everyone. So the balls are just going to, the technology yeah, is just going to continue and the problem we're talking continue. about is simply for the elite of the elite, the top right. X number, you know, one, less than 1%. I mean, you know, for, for you and I, length still matters a great deal. But for these players, it doesn't matter. And so ultimately, they need to address it with the ball. And the only other way to address it is is by making them shape shots. But if they can just bomb it over 100-year-old trees, I mean, they were hitting it over these trees and flying it over 300 yards. And just, again, it was just disappointing to see for someone who loves old school golf courses and the historic ones, to render them that sort of meaningless is disappointing. See. What do you think young people who don't know? See, my, my theory on sports is, sports fandom, is people like something the way it was when they came to like it. Now, they may evolve over time, but as you just said, you like the historic old courses. I'm like that with other sports. Uh, but somebody who's 22 years old who never saw when guys didn't hit it 300 yards, are they just accustomed to seeing it that way and that's what they like? Well, probably, but but I guess you're asking me is if somebody doesn't know history, does that make history irrelevant? No. Right, I agree with you. I'm just saying, you know, we joked with Matt when he was saying, well, I don't, you're referencing things that were before I were born and I would come back to him and say, well, do you know who the first president of the United States right. was? Well, yeah. So history still matters. Right. And because... You, Joe Smith, who's 22-year-old, doesn't pay any attention to history. Uh, you know, th- that's your problem, not ours. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not quite saying that, though. I'm just saying they're fr- they become familiar with the game that maybe they, they wind up loving, and that's the game that they've become familiar with. You know, it's not so much that they're against well, it's, history. It, For instance, I'll give you an example. I used to do a, a, a radio program with a young guy who was a college basketball. He loved college basketball, and this was a general sports show. And he loved the NCAA tournament. And I am someone who is very ambivalent. And I'm a basketball guy, ambivalent to the NCAA tournament. Because I see it now, it's an AAU tournament now. All it is is an all-star game from guys who went from high school. Now they're the best players in college as freshmen. And they're going to be gone next year. And I don't get to see them play for three and four years like it was when I got to see, you know, I got to see Danny Ainge go from being a freshman to a senior, so that in the the uh, mental uh, advance, the gains and experience, etc., etc. So I'm ambivalent to it. He loves it. He absolutely loves it because that's how he learned about it. And I think, but he loves a lesser product. So I, I think, yes, he does. He doesn't know so it. Though. I'm ag- I I agree with what you're saying. That to me, what's happened is that it's that there's less skill involved. These guys are playing right. with less skill. You never hear them reference. Oh, he's a real shot maker. That you don't hear that you anymore. You don't hear that anymore, right? Who's the last one you heard? Seve Ballesteros. I, right. I mean, one? you think about it. I mean, <laughs> isn't that sad that yeah, nobody's no, references right. a shot maker? Because now it's just stand up to the tee. They don't even question what club to hit. They just grab their driver and rip it. So there's less skill. Um, to me, that can't be a less good thinking thing. too. Right. 
right? I mean, how, how Less often have imagination. I said, how often have I said the last three or four years as we've been doing this is that I like the British Open best because you got to hit more clubs in your bag. It's a great example. Of, you know, yeah. the British Open is is really one of the few places left that you know being a shot maker actually you know matters. I mean, Tiger won. I believe it was at I'm going to say Hoylake without even having to use a driver. Now he's playing against others who were using drivers, but he was about playing the course a certain way rather than just standing up and bombing it. To me, boy, I think less skill is is not good for the game. Did uh, Tom Watson win those five British Opens because he was a better shot maker? Or was it uh, more that he was just, at that point, the best golfer in the world, or likely the best golfer in the world? Well, he he certainly was one of the best golfers in the world, but it's, I think, undeniable to suggest that he was the best shot maker and ball striker because you do it consistently over the same difficult tests it, it he is he's probably known as the best links golfer in the history of the game yeah i would, I would agree with i that. mean if not one of the two or three um and so um to me that's a skill that is he was a shot maker and and those kinds of things are getting lost and and i think it's not good for the game and how about the low scores? Three people in the tournament, uh, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, Kanalei, and uh, Justin Thomas, uh, were 20, minus 20 or better. You know, Thomas I, sh- being I minus should have 25. looked it up, because um, I, I referenced, and I was wrong, by the way, so the 1980 uh, U.S. Open is when Haleron won at Medina. It was actually 1990. But anyway, I wish I'd looked it up. I want to say it was somewhere around... Eight under or something like that was the winning score, and, and again, I may be wrong, and I, I'm sure we could find out. But which would be a very high? Uh, 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 is it high or low? Yeah, right. <laughs> Whatever. Which one? One of the best. One of the best U.S. Open. Uh, yeah, well, I that mean, was well, one, one of the best. Nobody ever shot right it was better than ten under. Right. I mean, so eight was. So my point is, um, that's how far the game has changed. Right. Um, and so. Uh, it is what it is. I, 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 I get the sense that we're sounding like old men, which, which we are, I suppose. But, but again, I want to see skill involved in the game. And, and to me, on some levels, it's being, it's being rendered somewhat meaningless. Yeah, I like, you know, clever shots around the green. I like... It, it, How about having to shape a tee shot? I have to right. draw one around the corner. I've hit a little fade here. I've got to hit a, an iron off the tee here instead of just the same old... You know, to your point, non-thinking, grab the driver and just rip it. Is is it the balls or is it the clubs that don't let you as f- fade it or especially fade it? Well, it's the combination. As easily as I thought, Adam it. Scott sent it pretty well. The most forgiving club in your bag is your driver. It's the biggest head. It's got the biggest sweet spot, and then you've got a ball that spins less. So with those two things, because I know, used to be able to fade the ball a lot better than I can now. And I don't now know you just different. slice it. No, no, I sliced it more then too. But I mean, no, but I I could control it a little bit better with those kind of shots. The ball does years not ago curve as now. much as it used to. The yeah. ball doesn't have as much spin as it used to. Yeah, I was wondering if it was so, just me or it was the ball. It's definitely the ball. And you, you know vibe? what? I mean, Nicholas has been talking about for years that the ball yes. is the problem, and I think he's right. Um, but you know, again, do you and I really want to go backwards? 
Or, uh, you know what I mean, in that yeah, sense? Yeah, I, I want them to stop using relief pitchers in baseball. Oh, too, no, so I'm talking about golf. Well, yeah. I know, but I'm, well, I'm saying just in general, there's certain things that I think people convince themselves it's better and it's not better. Well, you and, know, it's and, funny. But, we were just, I was just having lunch with, uh, with a couple people, and, and somehow we got on the topic of how bad the Orioles were, which then we got on the topic of remember when the Orioles were good, which then led it into... Um, a ridiculous thought today, from today's perspective of baseball, they had four 20-game winners on one team. 1971. Four, right? Now, you think of it, there aren't going to be four in the league, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, and, and so that's how the games change. Anyway, we're... Yeah, but, that, we're, but, but, but that's a self-inflicted decision on the part of, a, in a spot, I don't want to make this a baseball show, but, but, but people do that. They get this belief that something's better than it is, when it's not well, like like look, just I think percentages say it's better. It doesn't mean ultimately it is better, but the percentages certainly suggest it's well, better. Well, pitchers don't pitch as many innings as they once did. And how is it that 50 years ago there were 10 guys go pit maybe not 10 throwing 300 innings. Now you go into the dugout for an IV drip if you have 180, <laughs> you know? And it's but at their bigger, stronger, more evolved people. There weren't a lot of uh uh, Brooks Kepka's walking around the PGA Tour 50 years ago, were there? No. There were Gardner Dickinson's and Dave Mars. Whoa. So, you know, but so anyway, the athlete's bigger, but they've convinced themselves that the, but this is better for their health, and it's not. Right. Because history says no. And some of these things happen in golf as well, I think. So I, I don't disagree. I, I will say one thing about the BMW last week. Every one of the people that I've picked to win a tournament this year, that didn't win the tournament that I picked finished in the top ten. Justin Thomas, uh, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, Deki Matsuyama. I picked him to win the Masters. I'm looking at this list. I'm going, where were they when I needed them? It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, minus twenty five. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody win a tournament. Crazy. Minus twenty five of you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, you know, when they had the. Um you know, always they have the Palm Springs, you know, the Bob Hope, I guess, is what it used to be. It was, that was always five, way. That was five rounds. Yeah, but, I mean, they, have, they, have, they right. definitely have termed Las Vegas, whatever it is. But the point is, yes, but but not on an iconic, old-school, great test. All right, I'll buy that. And uh, as I said, why was the Bob Hope always, why was that 15? Because they played it in Palm Springs I mean, without a breath of wind on perfectly manicured golf courses that weren't that hard. But I mean, they but they played five rounds. That too, I, I guess, because it was a pro am too. It must yeah. have been a pro am. Yep. Yeah, and pro ams back in the day were big. Well, that's how you generated money for the year. Right. You know what I mean? That was. It was like it the, actually mattered. It's like the NBA in the fifties when the the NBA teams were the second and the least uh, the least interesting part of a doubleheader when the when the Globetrotters played. I mean, that was part of the deal. That teams would schedule By the way, we things. We're well over the are, over at this point <laughs> yes. with your with your non golf references. <laughs> right. Well, as I said, we don't have Matt frowning at us as we're talking, so that's I can why feel I figured it, it going over. All right, so much for this being a short show, too. All right, let me before we go to this week, let me uh, uh, remind everybody that uh, Golf and Ski Warehouse is the presenting sponsor, Preferred Lies, and it's a big week here. We're in the middle of the big August sale. Uh, began on Friday, goes until this Sunday. When you close at what time do you close on Sundays? Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Uh, we'll, where you'll enjoy the best prices of the season on 2019 equipment, apparel, and accessories. Save 30% on clearance drivers, fairway woods, hybrids, 
iron sets, wedges, shoes, and apparel. Take 20% off all other golf apparel, shoes, bags, travel bags, and accessories. Save 10% on GPS units, range finders, golf balls, and selected putters and clubs. And this sale is at all four locations, Greenland, Hudson, and in West Lebanon, where I am, where the parking lot is filled, and in Scarborough, Maine, from uh, August 16th, which is past, to Sunday the 25th. So, as you can see, I'm getting better reading off the teleprompter as well. Next stop is presidency. Well, <laughs> that's right. It's always been my ambition. Yeah, no, I think, you know... <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on to this week. It's funny. I was looking at the um, the uh, the lineup uh, earlier today, and it seems so sparse. And then I realized I'm going, oh, there's only 30 guys playing. Um, what are your thoughts about this week? Are you excited about it, or are you going to be watching the Corn Ferry instead? Well, I'll certainly pay some attention to the Corn Ferry. But but what I find interesting is I'm I'm going to be very curious to see how you know because they've tried to be creative. They've tried to come up with a way that puts an emphasis on, you know, all season long, and you get this advantage. And now we know whoever wins Sunday, you're looking, you're looking, you're very skeptical. Anyway, whoever wins Sunday, at least we know wins the Tour Championship, right? Wins yes. the FedEx Cup. Yes, that's better. So I'll give them that. So at least we'll give them the fact that you can't have like, uh, you know, Tiger winning and and actually Justin Rose winning the, the FedEx Cup. It just that didn't it's, make any sense. That's yeah, really so. So at least they've addressed that. That being said, you know, I looked at it quickly today, and I'm like, so, so uh, Justin Thomas is at ten under, and Patrick Cantlay's at eight under, and and Brooks is at I forget all the numbers, but is that ridiculous? That it just seems. Or don't I understand it? It's well, I mean, again, they're trying to make it so you get some benefit from your season long success. But he and hasn't also, had a season-long success. He had one great day. He hasn't won in a year, Justin Thomas. He starts minus 10. He didn't have a terrible year. Well, all right, he's not terrible. But, but the last time he won was last August at Firestone at the okay, World so Series of Golf. Okay, so it gets back into our debate we had last week, which is do you start at zero or not? That, by the way, is what the cogent point, the best point of all last week's show when we were talking about it. You're right. The problem with this thing is it doesn't start again like all postseasons do. Right. And it doesn't mean that they have to do it because everybody else is doing it. It just makes more sense. Well, and and it makes more for a compelling story and viewing. I mean, it just seems to me that if you want to create some excitement and some drama, you need to start at zero, and you need you need to be able to risk a Brooks Kepka losing in the first round. Right. You just need to. That's just the way it goes, and it would make the first round better with those stories. It, it, you know, it may you take the risk of the finals being worse. I get that. But that's what the playoffs are. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get two teams that maybe, because of their regular season, don't deserve to be in the finals. But guess what? Or you get some compelling story out of that happening, like Butler in the NCAA tournament sure. a couple of years ago. No one expected that. And boom, they were there. And, from, you know, so, uh, you know, starting with Thomas starting minus 10... It's a gimmick. I just, I just don't, I don't, to me, it's a turnoff back to those, from my standpoint. And um, I, I just think that it would be better if they started this thing from scratch. You were 100% right. I'd even like to see it like they do the, um, the state amp. You know, I like to see them slowly eliminate people, and uh, right. I don't know. I mean, I... I like if you play metal for two play, like so. I'll, play I'm for, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think it's cool watching quotes. the match, isn't it? I like it. I mean, put I, 
What's I'd the heard, what are the ratings for the I had Ryder heard, Cup? I had heard of Augenstein. I had never heard of Ogletree, right? But I enjoyed watching them. I thought they were related, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I, I was watching the uh, USAM final, and I enjoyed it because it's you're watching a match. Right. Uh, I don't know why that isn't compelling to people, but, you know, again, TV dominates. Who knows? Dominates. How do they know that, though? Because You know what they're basing on, in my opinion, they're basing it on? From the match play tournament they have in the spring, yeah, when the inevitably spring. they had, I remember one year they had Jeff Maggart and I forget who he played, and they were totally bummed out with the Sunday ratings because they had two, I'll call them vanilla players who weren't top ten players necessarily, and so they've always tried to avoid that. Are they expecting a ratings bonanza this Sunday? I would hope not. I wouldn't think so. Right. You know, to me it would be, uh, I, what are the ratings on the Ryder Cup? I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I don't know. Well. I should know that, but I don't know that. But I have to think the you know. But it's a totally different na- animal. I know, but the compelling nature of the different kind of ways people are playing to me, in addition to the yeah, but that's got a, a whole different us versus them. Whole yeah, I guess team. I get that. So I get it's, that, it's not. It's not terribly comparable. But you're watching two teams against each other playing match play. Yes. And conceding shots and all the things that go along with yes. match play. And to me, that's very interesting. I agree. And I, and I think to be able to, as you, we go into, you play two rounds. Some guys are eliminated. Then you go into the 64 like they do the stadium. To me, especially with the ability to cover the entire course. You know, they never used it. It used to be the last, you know, back in the days of Jack Whitaker, it was the last three holes or four holes. Right. And that was it. Right. Now you can see everything. Right. I, I would think you can flick to whose match is getting hot and who isn't. You can build the story as a producer. on. The- yeah, I just don't know why they don't recognize and, and see what the other major sports do and recognize and see that by eliminating teams and starting at zero and and slowly but surely whittling your way down to fewer, I don't know. It just seems like I'm going to be interested to see how this weekend plays out, but I have a similar feeling and emotion that you do, which is it seems a little gimmicky. It would would mess up Sunday because it only be two to be like a... How far back do you think is... So so do you think that somebody who's at even par starting Thursday can win the tournament? No. Okay. Do you think somebody at three under starting the tournament on Thursday can win the... I just saw a number that said there have been six times that Thomas almost did this last week, blew a six-shot lead on the final day. There's only been like six times or something like that. that's... That was one round. I know that. Against a person who has played three rounds and played well on a court. So so that's not really a fair comparison. Meaning, All right. So You're in right. the sense of some weeks, let's just say Justin Thomas shot 25 under last week. And what if he would have missed the cut this week? Which is possible, but there's yeah. no cut. But right. let, you know, allow that's me golf. That. That's how golf goes. Right. So he could easily... Shoot seventy four, seventy three, and be seven over par after two days. Yeah, and possible. somebody shoot sixty eight, sixty eight, and be four under, and boom, there's your ten strokes. Right. So four rounds. So now you got a guy in a fresh shot. tournament on a different golf course than just the week before, and you know. So, so now you got a guy who's shot seventy seven, seventy seven, and he's up by one still on going to Saturday, which means he's playing terrible, and now he's, you got him still in the lead. Uh, you know, I to me that's it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean that. Well, it's the first time off. we've ever seen it, right? So it's gonna seem yeah, strange. Right. We've never seen a tournament <laughs> start like this. What if it was in the year of the tiger, 
when he was winning, when he, you know, he had the Tiger Slam, and he was winning with uh, unreal scores at the majors. So he's got a ten-shot lead. He won. What did he win the British? What did he win the U.S. Open that year at Pebble Beach? Twelve. By? Twelve. Fifteen. So he's he's 15 up at Pebble by Beach. twenty-two shots. Right. He wins right. by twenty-two. A lot of drama there. Well, okay. There's another point. Um, who are the two? most marquee names on tour still to this day that draw the ratings? Tiger and Phil. And they're not there this week. Who's probably the right. third? Who's three, you think, or pretty close to third? I think Ke- I mean, Kepka, even though he's kind of he's kind of boring. But My game was that Jordan Spieth's probably close maybe to there. he's not there either. So that'll be interesting in and of itself, right? So, so, well, but there's so the, they're going to go against ratings of last year when Tiger was won it. To this year, and Tiger's not even in it. I bet it'll be a significant uh, loss in ratings. I, I don't disagree. I, I'm not going to mention that on the ESPN Golf website today. As I looked at it, you know what the lead story was? It was Tiger. Wait, wait. I thought you weren't, weren't going to mention. It. I'm not going to mention it, but I'm going to say before I don't mention it <laughs> <laughs> that the lead story is a story focusing on him winning last year. At the at the at the tour so, um, champions, I got to at least also. Come and then clean. the next four stories he are played, about him. He played better last week than I ever would have guessed. Yeah, yeah. But then the next four stories are about him in various different ways. And then Justin Thomas, what he did with a record-setting performance. It just, you need to let it go. Right, I know. I can't. There's certain you, things I have a tough time. I see that purple uniforms and this and, and this and, and tiger with now. <laughs> And your car. Yeah, no, I'm not getting rid of that. <laughs> I've had four different kinds of those cars, you know. Since How I, long have you had this one? Uh, not all that long. Probably four years. I got the over on that. It was originally, I've known no, you no, longer than four no, years. I, no, I had one before. There was a white one that was like that. All right. oh. And it was, it was, you know, convertibles, are, there's not that many kind of convertibles. Okay, there, so. good. Anyway, it's the summer car. So anyway, go ahead. I forget where we were. Yeah. We didn't yeah. think we'd get at the car talk today. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes, we, we talked yes, them all. Yeah. Yes, I did. But um, so, are you going to? You'll be watching. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. What do you think? Have you played this course? I have a couple times. It's a very good golf course, but I do think I saw something interesting hang on Morning Drive that it's time to change the rotation. You should have more than one course. That we watch because it's a it's a very good golf course, but it's a little vanilla, right? And so, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have it as one of three or four courses that rotate? Yeah, I mean, I think that that to me is the way it should be. Right. You know, I, I like the idea of um, well, I used Medina last year, so I mean, I mean, last week, so that's you know, I don't want to call them superstar courses, but. But I don't know. Does that encroach on the PGA and the U.S. Open if you do something like that yep. in terms of yep. in that part of the appeal? Because you go into these different these different courses. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think the different. Tests. I don't think it's a huge issue. I just thought you know, East Lake doesn't move the needle quite like some others, but that, it's right. not a big deal. Yeah, I, don't, I, I bet if you went out and did a survey and tried to come up with how many people knew the name of the course. Right. It would be very few. Limited. You know, yeah. certain, yep. as I said, maybe superstar courses is the right phrase right. to use for those things because right. there's certain ones that do. Um, who do you like this week? Xander Shoffley. He's the only one who wasn't in the top ten that I picked. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to have a big week. You do? Yeah, I don't know why. It seems like he's due. I mean, he's been yeah. banging on the door, 
and uh, he plays good an awful lot. Yeah, he's you know he's banging on the door. Right. Looked like he's gonna just break out. Looked like he had a uh, he was in contention like on a Saturday, and then yep. he kind of fell back. So um, who do you got? I'm going to go back to Patrick Cantlay. He seems to be playing pretty well. He's at eight under. He's already started. Yeah. Well, that's, I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. Well, that pumps it up a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been he's been playing well. I think Shoffley's five or six or something. I don't know, but whatever. I don't know. Don't don't get me started on that one. But well. um, anyway, uh, so how do you think it'll rate? Do you, I mean, from a rating standpoint, do you think it's going to get attention or will it not get attention? Or I don't think it's going to get much, but it still has a bit of an advantage of pre-football. Um, so, And I also, it depends. I mean, let's just say, what if Justin Thomas shoots 64, 68 the first two days? He's going to have a, you know, 10-shot lead. I mean, is that going to be? So it depends. Um, you, know, you know, to from, from my standpoint. But again, they're trying to... It's it's not genuine, you know what I mean? It feels sort of a man-made, it's a artificial. It's a gimmick. So it might, you know, I just think it is. Um, it's like kind of like as I said, Richard Berrien to me said last or said to me last couple of weeks ago about Beth Page. He says you don't need to have a course doesn't need to have hazards to be a good course and right. be a good test. Right. And sometimes when you're playing courses, uh, don't hazards seem like they're put in there almost. In a gimmicky kind of a way, on in some places, not all places, of course, but um, but they're not a natural part of what the test is. And from my standpoint, that's what this seems to be. I, I'm not big on gimmicks. It's like when I was in high school, we used to play poker all the time, my friends, and you know we were like eleventh. You graders. didn't want the, the wild cards and yes, all that stuff. Yes, twos, threes, and one eye jacks. We used to play five card, you know, five, you know, draw poker. So. Because everybody liked the big numbers, they liked the birdies and the yeah. eagles, and that kind. Yeah. So you're sitting there going, "All right, I got five of a kind." Yeah, and you lost, and you lost, and you're putting everything in there, and three other people have five hey, right. of a kind. Yeah, I guess my five of my five jacks yeah. doesn't hang in. There. It's like being on sale every day, exactly. And that's what a course that, that has you know twenty birdies in it, and that kind of, or in tournament, that kind of thing. Right, always has always felt like that to right. me. I like I'm more of a five card draw guy now, and I like things of that nature. So. Um, so, do you expect anything out of the ordinary there? Or oh, I know what I was going to say before. Before you, I don't think they can do this because you're you're trying to cater to golfers all over the country. But at this point in time, in this part of the summer, wouldn't it be better if it was a West Coast? Uh, if it was a West Coast, you know, they maybe played it out, you know, East and then West. Well, I was just saying, well, you, you poo pooed me. I they should be going to other courses. No, no, I agree with that. But ha- but wouldn't it be nice if it so was you think a West Atlanta Co- in August? You don't think that's well, it's not even the heat, you know? But it it's which is of I, course an issue. I think to your point, but it would prime be good time. if it was a, exactly that's prime what I'm, that's the point. I like the idea of prime time for you know what I love the U.S. If Open you want to add some something to it, I think if you had it from six to nine at night, you'd get more people to pay attention. Absolutely. To it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't you like the British Open? I mean, the yeah. uh, Pebble Beach. Look at they the don't British play Open the Super played Bowl at Beach. one o'clock on Sunday. Right. They should play it on Saturday night, though, I think. I agree with that. So, uh, amazing. Maybe we should stop now, then, because yeah, we just that, agreed on something. And we've hit every professional sport today, <laughs> as well. <laughs> no, you haven't talked about my favorite one, but anyway. What do you think, by the way, back to the ratings game, what do you think the Patriots and Rams, rate the ratings, did for the Patriots and Rams last year in the Super Bowl? Oh, gosh. I don't know. What did it do, a 25? I, I don't know. It was 52 in New England. It was like 38 in L.A., which surprised right. me. And that's share, 
and it was only the ten, it was it was the lowest rated Super Bowl in the last ten years. Really? Now that seems odd to me because right. Los Angeles finally has a team back, and, and, and the whole world wanted the Patriots to lose. Right, and and it's Los Angeles that market. Right, right. and they after the, and it, it's their first one they're in since their team was stolen by St. Louis, <laughs> and that that's I just saw that the other day. It surprised me. Mm. Anyway, be that as it may. All right, so you're going with uh, Xander Shoffley. No relation to Xander Bogarts, by the way. And I'm going with Patrick Cantlay. Who do you think Matt's taking? Matt's going to take Justin Thomas because he's in 10 under par. (laughs) That's right, and he'll remember that, (laughs) unlike me. (laughs) So do I get more points for picking Cantlay because I was just... No, no, you get nothing. I shouldn't, actually. All right. All right, I'll give you the last word. Uh, No, no no words of wisdom, just uh, always enjoyable. All right, I'm going to take the last word. If I can find my, uh, I should have this right on the edge of my, my, uh, I just hit the same thing. Well, I got a better way to do it. No, I don't. All right. Anyway, uh, I just want to remind you that uh, Preferred Lies is brought to you by Golf and Ski Warehouse, and it is the big August sale. It goes until Sunday, and uh, for everyone to come down here and uh, great sales. Uh, there are clearance items. There are the uh, best 2019 prices of the year are this weekend. It goes to Sunday at 4 here at Golf and Ski Warehouse. All four locations, uh, West Lebanon, Hudson, and Greenland, and uh, in New Hampshire and Scarborough, Maine. And by the way, did you see Uh-oh. that, did you see that uh, there was a story in the Boston Globe today uh, about the, you've heard about the president uh, wanting to buy Greenland or thinking, considering the United States should buy Greenland, which I didn't think he could buy a country, but apparently right. you can. Uh, but there's a story in the Globe today saying that he should consider go small first and buy Greenland, New Hampshire. So your real estate might jump for uh, the Greenland store. I'll take the Greenland, the the country Greenland money for our store. If that's I mean, <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that very well, but yes, I I got it. All right, yeah. that'll do it for Scott Peters and Dave Long. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next week. <laughs>